Hi, my name is Dan Ariely, and welcome to Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast about science. Every week, I will talk to one researcher about one project who have a chat about what they found and what it means for our lives. Dan's guest this week is Susan Roth, professor of psychology at Duke University. Okay, so I'm sitting here having coffee. Uh, Susan, thank you very much for buying me coffee. <laughs> and I want to talk to you a little bit about what learned helplessness and trauma. So, so to start with, can you describe a little bit the research on learned helplessness? It was an experimental paradigm that was very popular in the 70s. Um, it started off with the recognition that if you exposed animals to uncontrollable shock, for example, so you, you gave them shock and there was nothing they could do to get the shock to stop. So, so give me an example. So how would it look like? So you would put a dog in a harness. Uh-huh. And you would have some way of administering the shock to the dog. And so you, you put them, you, you hung them in a way that they couldn't escape or couldn't move, and you put electrical shock, electrical... Yeah, you, you randomly give them Electrical shock. shocks. Okay, right. that can't so, be fun. No, it's a horrible thing to even talk about. Right? Yeah. Um, and you make the shock totally random so that there's no way they can learn... To, to stop it. Yep. They try for some time, but eventually they give up. They give up. So is this kind of an uh, analogy for marriage? <laughs> no, I don't think, <laughs> No. Okay. Okay, so the dog gets those, and then what? Okay, so then you put the dog in another situation where... So that's Pavlovian conditioning, okay? So yeah. then you put the dog in another situation where they can learn, for example, if they jump over a barrier that they can, in fact, control some negative outcome like shock. So they get shocked on one side of a apparatus, and if they jump to the other side, the shock would go off. Okay, so the dog, the dog basically now put in a different task, and right. they have, they, if, if they basically can only escape, if they can do something, they can escape these bad, exactly. bad shocks. And? and dogs who are exposed to the helplessness training don't actually learn as well as other okay, dogs so, in a control group. So, so the, the, the initial experience of being shocked in, an unrandom, in a random, annoying, uh, unpredictable way actually gets them to... It generalizes inappropriately. Generalizes. And, and what do they do? So what do these dogs do? They just passively take the shock. They just sit there and not, not look at their environment. They don't search for ways to escape. They don't look for... Something. Exactly. Okay, so that's, that's in the animal... Right. Uh, and, and then what happens when people get traumatized? Is, do they, we see similar things? Well, I think the analogy only goes so far. I think when people get traumatized, there are lots of different kinds of trauma. And when somebody is exposed to something over which they have no control, um, certainly an experience of helplessness is an important part of what's going on for them. Um, mm -hmm. But there are many other things that people may experience in those situations, depending on how people react to them and so on. So, for example, someone can feel, if they are traumatized by someone else as assaulting them, let's say, um, they may feel betrayed as much as they feel helpless, and that may have implications for how they think about relationships. They may feel somehow responsible for somebody assaulting them so they may feel that there's something the matter with them so so learned helplessness is one of the things we can get from from trauma but you're saying there's there's much more there's many more other ways well i'm not even sure i would call it learned helplessness it's an experience of helplessness it's it's not a direct kind of learning that when people then are in all other situations they don't they feel they don't feel like they have any agency 
I think to what extent it generalizes depends on a whole variety of different things and that it psychologically is experienced differently than simply a, a lack of agency. So would it be fair to say that people experience helplessness but, but not necessarily learned helplessness? I think they experience helplessness. I think one of the important things that's different about being a dog and being a human is that people, we believe, have certain expectations for uh, what, what the world is like. Okay, so it's, it's a basically benign place. There's some meaning to it. Good things happen to good people. Bad things don't happen to good people, this sort of thing, that people are basically trustworthy and that the self is basically trustworthy. So people have these sets of beliefs, and if they're confronted with a traumatic experience, part of what's difficult about that is it violates these belief systems, and it's very hard to make sense of what happened. So, so helplessness may be one thing that violate the sense that you that you have no agency may violate those beliefs but there's lots of other things that are important yeah. too so so imagine the following experiment imagine you tell people that they should invest their money in technology stocks and then the stock market crashes and then you tell them that the market is efficient and there's something like enron happening and then there's the housing uh, market and then there's oil and there's all these things that People are told this is the way life is, and all of a sudden something very dramatic happens to shake their beliefs in, in, in what's happening in the world. Could this create a sense of helplessness? I think so, but most people believe that it has to be something of high emotional impact to really... Um, so oil prices, for example. You can see how emotional people get <laughs> over this. Well, I'm still thinking about your question about marriage, too. <laughs> but, you know, it, it strikes me that... Um, so it's we, not we emotionally overwhelming in most of the situations that you describe, whereas traumatic situations are, by definition, emotionally overwhelming. Yeah, but, but there are many of them. You know, the, yeah. the, we, we have a sequence of those, uh, one after the other, kind of in, in quick succession. And if you think of the market, we have incredible low consumer confidence these days where the economic variables are not that bad. Inflation, right. unemployment. Could it be that the, this huge lack of confidence in the market is kind of a slight depression based on helplessness and these experiences? That's one way to conceptualize it. <laughs> you don't seem that excited with this explanation. Um, I think that people become irrational about um, things. I, I think there's no question about that, that um, their behavior gets affected by circumstances that aren't that relevant for other circumstances. Mm -hmm. there, there isn't any question about that. I think that um, when you asked me to come talk to you and I was trying to imagine what might be the connection between the way you think about things and the way I think about things, for me, um, the, the relevance of something being traumatic is that it's overwhelming. It can't be incorporated into someone's day-to-day -day experience. And the way that somebody comes to terms, because it's emotionally overwhelming, and the way that somebody comes to terms with that over time is by making experiences that get stored at some pre-conscious level more conscious. So in the same way, people um, who behave irrationally can change that behavior by a similar kind of self-reflection of stepping back and, and trying to understand why they're doing irrational things they're doing. So I do see there being some connection between trauma and the kinds of circumstances you're talking about in that way. So, so let's say that we had a traumatized country with all these fiascos. What 
what would be your advice if, if the country was a patient? What would be your advice to how to get over this trauma? I mean, should we really to be... To get them to understand what's irrational about the ways they're behaving or generalizing from one situation to the next is, a, is a, probably the best way to do it. Okay, and is it also the case that we should really be worried about the next uh, catastrophe, that if it comes too soon, we will, might be particularly vulnerable to it? Probably, yeah. Okay, so advice, we have to try to understand what the causes of these things right. are, if there is a way to understand it in a more general way. And then But also people reflecting on their behavior and understanding, like the gasoline example that you wrote about in the New York Times, that their behavior is, is really irrational, that there are many other things um, that are much more inflated over time than gasoline prices. So to, to get people to reflect on their own behavior in the ways that they're irrational. Okay, so kind of a therapy for the whole, for yeah, the whole country. That's what you're doing. <laughs> very good. Thank you very much. Okay. This has been Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast with Dan Ariely, professor of behavioral economics at Duke University. Learn more at research.duke.edu.